In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Christmas story is familiar to many of us. We know about the appearances of angels and the shepherds and the wise men and that there was no room in the inn. We know how Jesus was born in a cattle stall and placed in a manger. But what about Joseph? What is his part in this account? In in one way, he certainly doesn't seem all that central. After all, Jesus is Mary's son, not his. And although we bring out Joseph for our nativity scenes at Christmas, he goes back to the attics of the faithful in January. Aside from the nativity scenes at Christmas time, Joseph seems to get little press. Perhaps Joseph is expendable. Perhaps our Christmas celebration wouldn't be that much different without him. Our nativity scenes could have one fewer figure. Do we really need Joseph? Now, when it comes to biblical characters, some we have lots of information on, but for this surrogate father of our Lord, there's little to go on. In all of Holy Scripture, there is no single word recorded that this man said. And yet, we can learn a lot from him. For St. Joseph follows the example of John the Baptist, and he points us to Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Already this birth story is off to a bad start. Put yourself in Joseph's place. He is betrothed to Mary. In the ancient Near East, betrothal was a contract. That contract has been executed and their marriage was legally official. But not all was yet complete. In St. Luke's Gospel, we hear how the angel comes to Mary and tells her that she would bear a son, even though she has not been with a man. For that child in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Mary responds to this in faith. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, that's all well and good. But can you imagine how the conversation must have gone between Mary and Joseph? Joseph, I kind of need to talk to you. See, it it turns out that I'm pregnant and uh, the baby's father is God. Well, however it might have happened, now Joseph knows. And Mary has found to be with child outside of marriage. Joseph could have let things play out. He planned to quietly end their engagement. For when his dear Mary is found to be pregnant, he assumes, as any of us would, that her pregnancy was from her union with another man. The law demanded punishment for the adulterer. And not just any punishment, but death. According to the law, then, Joseph could have had Mary put to death 
and he would be vindicated. She would be punished. He would go free. He would be free to marry another more faithful spouse. If Mary had indeed had relations outside of marriage, according to the law, she would be considered unclean, unable to participate in Israel's worship life until she had been cleansed. And so the law says, purge the evil from among you. If Joseph were to marry her without being cleansed, he too would become unclean. Her sin would now be his. No matter what Joseph planned to do, I'm sure he was deeply fearful that Mary had found love with another man, that Joseph has lost his beloved. But instead of publicly humiliating her by declaring her an adulteress, Joseph decides to take upon himself the loss, of, the loss of his betrothed. He shows his great love by being willing to divorce her, taking the shame that she deserved upon himself. For now, rather than Mary bearing her shame alone, now Joseph would bear it instead. He would be known as the one who had abandoned a pregnant woman. He would bear her iniquity. Mary would be spared by the love of St. Joseph, the love made possible by the very one who dwells in Mary's womb. So now as Joseph sleeps, it would seem to be the sleep of one who is brokenhearted. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Mary remains pure. She has not been unfaithful. Joseph, you haven't lost Mary to another man. What good news for Joseph. Joseph is free from the shame. And yet this good news is far surpassed by what the angel announces next. Mary will bear a son And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The long-awaited Messiah has now come. The one who had been promised for millennia, the one promised even in the Garden of Eden, the consolation of Israel, God in the flesh, is here. Your redemption has drawn nigh. This, too, is cause for Joseph to rejoice. Dear Joseph, this good news of great joy is for all people, even for you. But the truth is, it won't make things easier for you, for even the truth can rarely stop such juicy gossip. Joseph, the ridicule and the mockery aren't going to end. And yet, there Joseph stands, not allowing Mary to suffer that shame herself. He stands, not abandoning Mary or her son. When God's appointed messenger preaches to Joseph that Jesus will save his people from their sins, the angel is not bringing mere information. Gabriel is giving Joseph a sort of fast-forward version of the life of Jesus. Jesus is born to go to the cross. 
the atoning death of this child would reconcile all children to the Father. For those swaddling clothes will give way to grave clothes, and the virgin's womb is but a foreshadow of the undefiled stone tomb into which his lifeless body will be placed. For that is why Jesus comes. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The one whom Mary carries in her womb is the one who saves from sin. This child within her is the substance of the promise to Adam and Eve. The one assured to Abraham by the ram caught in the thicket, substituting for his son on the altar. The lamb whose blood was to cover the doorposts of the saints in Egypt, saving them from the angel of death. The one whose birth was foretold in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. For this son who would be named by Joseph has a greater love than that of Joseph. Jesus comes to willingly set aside his own good for the sake of his beloved, for you, his bride. Jesus is stripped bare by the soldiers, strung up on the cross. The shame of our sins on full display on the cross. Jesus gives up all his honor for you. And he sacrifices not just his honor, but his very life, pouring out his own blood that he might suffer the shame due to his bride. For without the Lord's intervention, his bride is not pure. The rumors about her are true. She has betrayed her Lord, indulging in all forms of pride, lust, slander, and greed. She has rejected the love of God and pursued her own love. While St. Mary did not deserve the mockery and shame foisted upon her by her mysterious pregnancy, you and I do very much deserve shame for our sin. But Jesus, the adopted son of Joseph, won't have it. He won't let us endure the shame that we deserve. He comes for sinners like you and me. And so he, more than anyone else in all of history, fulfills his own name. His name promises God saves. And that's exactly what he does. He makes good on his promise. He will not put you away quietly, but but suffers your shame and mockery when he hangs on that cross, naked for all the world to see. He buys you back from captivity, saves you from that old serpent's deadly sting, snatches you from the clutches of the grave, and rescues you even from yourself. And all this was at the cost of his own life to purge the evil from your midst, that is, from your own heart. So Jesus, the son of Joseph, lays down in the sleep of death 
his heart broken and torn by the centurion's spear. All this he does that his beloved might not suffer for what she has done, but that he might cleanse her and have her as his own, that he might have you. For this he filled the virgin's womb, for this he was born. His name is Jesus, for he saves his people from their sin. By his incarnation and his death upon the cross, he won your salvation. The world has been reconciled to the Father. And that reconciliation is made yours simply by trusting that what Christ did, he did for you. So rejoice this Christmas tide. See that all our Lord does, he does for you. For you, your Savior made that journey. From heaven above to earth he comes to take on human flesh. That he might take your place. That he might satisfy the law's demands of you. And by his resurrection, put his life into you. And here he does. Here heaven itself descends to earth as Christ Jesus feeds you with himself. You eat his body and drink his blood and so have his forgiveness. You have his own life in you. By bread and wine, water and word, he is your Emmanuel, God with you. And so Jesus promises, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And he tells us that where there is baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and where there is teaching to observe all things our Lord has given us, Jesus is with you always to the end of the age. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.